podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hi everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. It's an exciting time to be alive. DS9's finally here, and I'm Matt. I'm Andy. And I'm aware that I have a tendency to run off at the mouth sometimes. Yes, you do, Dr. Bashir. As do we. Dr. Bashir's here. Andy finally met Garrick. Things are moving along on the station. Uh, You know, it's fun to watch this and go, well, this is why we didn't really... This is why we had to come back to DS9 after a couple seasons. Why? It's uh first few seasons for me always felt like the Phantom Menace in their slow political intrigue. <laughs> I was just like, mm, okay. So this is the what we saw in the pilot even though it has obviously the, you know, the the Borg thing and uh, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff going on. Borg. It is essentially uh, Wolf 359 opening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I completely forgot about that part of the show. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> it's one of the greatest things about it. Um, this is a a situation where it's going to be a lot of this kind of thing that we see in this, this episode we're about to discuss. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of this for a couple of years. I don't know. I only have two or, you know, depending on how many episodes you count the pilot as two episodes to go on and uh it's not poorly done like a lot of the early episodes of of tng like you could feel them like really like oh we have no idea how these characters interact we have no idea how big the performances should be right like this all feels like it's you know a reasonable star trek show that's you know, the performances are all... The reviews are in. Andy Secunda calls it a reasonable Star Trek show. <laughs> it's not seen... without reason. Look, <laughs> those of you who are in the Patreon, you, you know that we swing pretty wild in our opinions on Star Trek shows, so a reasonable beginning to a Star Trek show is kind of a rave sometimes for oh. us. So nice to be talking about regular Star Trek. And by regular Star Trek, I mean Star Trek made before 2002. Uh, even yeah, that's right. I, I just that year. I just boxed out half of uh, Enterprise too. Yeah, it's true, and and Strange New World. Um, yeah, that's its own thing. Hear all about it in the Patreon, everybody. But we're gonna go to the Admirals Club because uh, wait, you're what? off. You're off oh, already. Do you want to watch the episode? Go for it. It's the second episode. I couldn't tell you. Next. Jesus. <laughs> this is the structure of the show, Matt. We have jingles. We have a way of I know, but like, things. we didn't do this in the first season of TNG. These things I organically were created. Creating our figuring out the uh, the system again from scratch. Well, it's like, I mean, how do you tell somebody whether or not they should watch the second episode of a show that has 20 something episodes in every season? Well, yeah, but that's the whole point is that it's like, well, do you want to watch this one or do you, should you watch this one or not? You got a long road ahead My of you. My answer will be you're going to skip a lot until season three, season four. 
Really? So, it's that yeah. that you're Matt, feel that strongly? You have them watch this episode? I mean, do you value your time? Because if you don't, go for it. If you do, you can skip it. <laughs> Could you say that about all of television, though? Yes, and that's the beauty of TV, and that's what keeps us coming back for more. <laughs> Is its disposability? I disagree. And the fact that we do not value our own time. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> Self-hate is a part of the Can I game, go so. in the Admirals Club now, or do I have to wait? Let's do it. Oh, boy. Ah. Welcome to the Admirals Club. Hi. Now, it was watery from my side. Was that the new sound? Hi, everyone. Is that the new sound? What do you mean? You said you were going to do... sound settings? Deep Space Nine sounds for our doors. Oh, yes. That was some door... That was some Cardassian-built door action. Okay. You know. How were the Cardassians thought of in terms of their engineering in general? I guess they must be thought of as formidable to some degree. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about them as much as we do in the Star Trek universe. Pointy things, you know? A lot of pointy things in there. And, and, And sharp angles... In their architecture, uh-huh. sure. So that's that's fun. I sound like a real, real negative Nancy here. <laughs> I just had I just was stewing for twenty minutes while I was watching Andy put things in the Dropbox. I had a lot nothing, of. I had literally nothing to do. I have nothing I, to do all day but this show. And I was like, "All right, two thirty. I'm just gonna sit here with the Zoom open." And I saw a notification, Andy dropped something in the Dropbox. I'm like, oh, okay, I better grab all that stuff before we start the show. And then I just kept watching it go, just more and more stuff as the clock kept ticking. And then I just got more and more angry about nothing. I'm not, I'm not mad at Andy. Uh, you know, it's reasonable. I'm just more mad at myself we have a set for time. having nothing to do. <laughs> we, with, uh, both of us react in wildly different ways. No, I mean... You know, varying each each by the person, like not like there oh, and the points day. when I'm mad. There are points when Matt's mad when either of us miss a time, and uh, there are points when we're we don't care at all because we know we have nothing else. To I do. would say most of the time it's a don't care. And I, if I had anything better to do, mm-hmm. like I stopped playing a video game too early. Right, I what could have just been doing that. I was playing replaying Guardians of the Galaxy. Ooh. Do I need so. to? play that i don't know every time i tell you to play a game you don't you like spider-man makes you sick and uh it's like i don't know what to do anymore i don't know what makes you sick what does it third person i have to do first person dead red dead redemption doesn't make me sick spider-man makes me a little bit queasy well that's so you know i don't know they're both third person though what is on a horse? And it, it, look, it's the engine. It's all about the engine. And I don't know why some of the engines uh, are, you know. Look, I like the Guardians game quite a bit. It's a really good story. Very good voice acting. And the designs are cool. Yeah. And the guns go pew pew and all that stuff. What more could you want in a video game? How much? That's what uh, we do in the Admirals Club. We like to review video games. Poor Andy. (laughs) (laughs) You don't like to? Is that what your statement is? That's that's a crazy statement. You talk about it more than I do. Any long-term listeners will know that we've had this discussion about Guardians of the Galaxy before. Well, that's probably true. And I said you should get it and play it. Uh And here we are many months later. 
Uh-huh. And uh, you're asking the same question. Same answer, Andy. Buy it. Matt, or how do they get it into your Admiral's local? Club. Get it from your local Red Box. So red Boxes have video games. I don't. I haven't done a Red Box thing in a long time. I've never done one. I just assumed they put everything disky in there. You know, you get a Blu-ray, maybe a DVD. It still exists. A family Redbox? photo album. I see them outside of Seven Elevens. Huh? You hang around Seven Eleven? Is that your spot? It's my favorite store. <laughs> I like the convenience of a Seven Eleven. There's no getting around that. Uh, yes, people. It's the Admirals Club, a place so luxurious, you're going to want to be here. All you got to do to get in is leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Preferably do that before you listen to today's, because I can't imagine us getting five stars after my crank butt mood. Andy, who's first? Exhaustive taxom- taxonomy of forms of blindness from Joel McCracken. This podcast uh hmm this podcast discovers all sorts of new ways that a person can be blind. It starts with face blindness but quickly moves <laughs> on to describing name blindness, song blindness, plot blindness, point of the message blindness among other varieties. Five stars. I'm learning so much. You don't even have pun blindness in there, Joel. That's a big one. And sex joke blindness. Those are the two. Those are the major ones. <laughs> I feel like innuendo and puns are are like of the same ilk. As I've theorized before, it may just all funder, fall under the heading of I'm an idiot, uh, but, uh, you know, I'd prefer, I'd, I'd prefer to be diagnosed in a more friendly way. Don't finally, sell yourself short. Uh, finally, ready to launch the podcast uh, from Rack Tagino. Double calf, no whip. Radagino, that's a Klingon oh, coffee. It? It's uh, Cisco's preferred beverage. Oh, really? You'll find out. Spoilers, uh, Andy. <laughs> Cisco oh, no, has a drink that. he likes. Oh, I don't no, know I know what drink he likes. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I will say, uh, I guess, <laughs> I don't know if this is okay to discuss now. I was surprised to see uh, to see Bashir going for the tea immediately. I know, he's like seems like well, too much of a Picard double up. Uh, I understand that he's also I British, never, but never thought of that. But you know, it's a culture built on the Brits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, the premier comedy and recap prod- podcast for Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Matt and Andy spent years rehearsing for this day. <laughs> I think the beginning of this podcast really is evidence of that. By doing some practice podcasts using throwaway episodes of The Next Generation or whatever. Good thing, too, if they needed to work out a few kinks like accidentally talking for an hour before remembering to talk about the episode or getting sidetracked into planning aloud their next several meals or possibly one enormous, uh, ridiculously enormous meal. It's hard to tell. But practice makes perfect, so buckle up for the flawless rollout of episode one of Star Trek The Next Conversation. Bring on emissary, a la marine, move along home. Those we last did two it. terrible episodes, right? Um, that's it for the Admiral's Club. Uh, okay, Admiral's Club is over, looks like.
everybody. It's the President's Circle. It's a great place you can go if you want more podcasts that are a lot like this, only somehow less organized. You can head over to patreon.com forward slash uh, Star Trek TNC and join. <laughs> Get yourself extra podcasts. Be a part uh-huh. of the crew. Currently doing Voyagers at the President Circle level, and then if you're there, you also get the Lieutenant's level. We're going through. We're finishing up Disco Season Four, adding more of those. Here's what's available to anyone anyone who wants it. Here's what's available. You head over, you choose your tier, whatever suits you. But available to you at the highest tier, and not the Q Continuum, but President Circle is. Six podcasts every month, right? Three discoveries, Correct. an enterprise, yes. currently and two. Yes, yeah. So I mean, head over there. That comes up. That bumps up to eight when there's a new live action Star Trek show in production. So, or rather, airing. I think it might even be more than eight. I think it's ten when there's a live action one. I don't want to think about it, but yeah, <laughs> it, it 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 booms. Um. Not a lot of rhyme or reason. Just get a hop on board. Uh, support us. I'm unemployed and was staring at Andy working a Dropbox for a half hour because I had literally <laughs> nothing else to do. <laughs> I was trying to get organized. He was he was watching me create sub subfolders to the folders because <laughs> at this point you guys are sending in so much material and God bless you for it. I'm like, oh, geez, wait, did, I didn't play this one, and I did play this one. Look, one of the first jokes, really not a joke, just a statement of fact, on this podcast was my level of disorganization. So, um, okay, we're in the president's circle. I give out a Christopher Pike Medal of Valor to uh, to exceptional, deserving awardees. Uh, the first one is to Lieutenant Commander Zach Wilson, who uh, uh, wrote, uh, not suggesting a new segment, but there is a TV show that debuted the same week as DS9 and ran for the same length, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, which Katie, <laughs> which Katie Campbell adds real frontier medicine, <laughs> which is funny, because that's all that Bashir talks about. Um, and I mainly wanted to give a hat tip to to uh, Zach Wilson because he's sent in now. He has taken it upon himself to send in the This Week in Tracks for every show we're covering, just out of the decency of his heart. And God bless you, Zach Wilson. In the uh, last episode of uh, Cheers, I believe they're in the bar and they see on the TV that that uh, Diane is winning an Emmy for uh, writing an episode of uh, Doctor Quinn Medicine Woman, if I remember correctly. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I remember that she got an Emmy, but I don't remember it was that. I think it was Doctor Quinn. Yeah. Let me ask you this: <laughs> it's, here's, a, here's a classic digression when we have a hell bag so overflowing it's pouring out in the hallway like dribbles. Um, when you saw when they circle back to um Diane and they yeah. set it up as like, oh wow, everything's happening for her. And by that point, you know they've they've really made it a a bit of of like you know of Sam and you know his escapades, his you know kind of you know not being as effective as they used to and everything. Yeah. Do do you? Were you like, I'm on board. The comedy of this is f- 
fucking offended? Were you like, oh, I don't like, I don't like you saying that the characters are kind of losers now. Well, that doesn't really happen till the end. You know, uh, the eleven, the tenth season, <laughs> and therefore it's you're yeah, saying it was, you don't feel like that earlier. No, and so therefore it's acceptable when you meet it at the end, right? Because they have been doing it for over a decade. Yeah, I mean, obviously they've been doing it with Sam, but you didn't find out what happened to to Diane, and then it's sort of similar with Diane, which I guess matches the t- the tone of what they've done with Sam. But I guess well, then I think- when they all every time one of them comes back on Frasier, yeah, you know, Diane's life has fallen apart. <laughs> Ted Danson, uh, uh, Sam is like uh, secretly married to Tay Leone, but they're both a, they're both sex addicts. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's uh, that actually seems like a good matchup. And then, like, what oh, he comes back? That's very interesting because Tay Leone is married yes, to yes. David. Let's not. Married. Let's not. Why can't I? Why can't I gossip and, uh, and dish? Let's, <laughs> all right, all right. Let's, let's stay on a path, Matt. If we're gonna do our gossip rag Are podcast there? the way that we always hoped. Welcome to a decade-old gossip. I'm Angie Secunda. This is Matt. Uh, okay, so what's what, what's what's next in the uh, I'm also going to give one to uh, our mainstay in the Patreon, Great and Terrible Lizak, who uh, who asked the uh, valid question. You think there was a goodbye party for Keiko in the Arboretum? <laughs> yes, I do. So there was a goodbye party for, uh, for I Brian. Do. And I think it was, Deanna was there, and... Uh, Worf was also there, I, I imagine. Yeah, why? Yeah, why those two? Did they have a relationship Worf, with Worf Keiko? Worf delivered. Worf delivered Molly. Mm-hmm. You know, so he probably felt some. You're saying sort the of drug uh, Molly. He brought Molly to the Keiko party. Yep, that was um, Worf. Worf was always tripping balls. You never knew it. <laughs> that would be the most surprising turn. Look, that's what Klingons look like when they're tripping that's, balls. That's why he was constantly overtaken by every enemy who ever entered the ship. Yeah. He was tripping balls. He didn't see <laughs> that it coming. Would, that's that's a really I really want to add that to the You can you can have that as a Matt's theory. Um But in the priority one message is proper. Oh. Well that gets its own sound. That's how good we are at this show. Incoming message. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. What are people saying about DS9 and are finally arriving at the station? Well, first from uh, our friend uh, Cosmo Moore. Uh, I don't think either of these have any practical application for the podcast, but this made me laugh and thought it would be worth sharing uh, during the hails. Uh, so if you would play Shut Up Andy. Shut up, Sekunda. Go feed Livingston. <laughs> And then uh, he says, I think Matt definitely has the worst job of the two of you. If you want to play Shut Up, Matt. Shut up, Matt Myra. Go clean up the holodeck after number one's finished. These, this, like, deep fake AI celebrity voices, it's like, I think in three years we're all fucked. I mean, uh, here, another deep digression. I have a friend, uh, an actress, who I was like, oh, she's on this weird, obscure podcast. Oh, she's also doing a voiceover for this, this uh, video game, this you know, video game app for my phone. 
And then I asked her, and she said, no, I haven't done that. And she's like, oh, I recorded a lot of voiceover for a tiny fee. And it's like somebody just stole her soul for one of those text-to-voice uh, apps. Jesus, Jesus Christ. It's really terrifying. Um, I mean, so, I you know, if anyone wanted to, like... I mean, think about it. You too now. There's hundreds of hours of you talking. It's true. You're doomed. They'll we never make it. We'll just we'll just we'll just get a we'll just get a voice AI thing to make it sound like you want to eat babies. Can you imagine how how efficient this podcast would be if they just replaced us with the, <laughs> with the computer version? <laughs> That's a good point, actually. Uh, I'm just waiting for the uh, for the uh, what is it called when. Uh, when the computers uh, singularity attain. singularity I'm just waiting for the singularity uh, Aussie Andy writes um, I'm just getting, getting the right mindset does anyone know what the plan was for Roe if Michelle Forbes accepted the role would she have been a part of Starfleet or the Bajoran militia like Kira I guess having her as a Starfleet officer would have created a great conflict for her at least initially, as being seen as collaborating with anyone with another occupying force. Okay, that's too strong a word, I guess I... But Kira did bring up the fact that the Cardassians said that they were just there to help in the beginning, just like Cisco and the Federation said they were doing. Andy's accent corner! It's gonna be shit. Uh, I don't know what the Michelle Forbes plans would have been. It didn't seem like other people in the Patreon didn't know either. Um, and I, it would have been fascinating. I mean, my guess is a lot of the contentions, the Kira stuff would just fall to grow. Yeah. yeah. Well, they definitely wouldn't have added Kira. She would have taken that slot. But um, but I feel, yeah, I feel like it would have been a lot of the same kind of, you know, torn on two sides of the of the issues. Roe was basically dealing with that in Star Trek. Right up to the end. Um, boy, I miss Roe. Uh, Jerry Canavan writes, to the question of whether DS9 is a good pilot, I've always wondered if pitting the new main character against Picard was the best way to introduce the show. All these years later, I still feel a bit like the show is asking me to choose Cisco over Picard when I love Picard and understand as a good watcher TNG that what happened to him during Wolf 359 was not his fault, etc., etc. I think if Cisco had been introduced as Picard's old friend or if he was one of the main TNG cast being transferred to command of the station, it would have felt more like a passing of the torch moment as opposed to a weird feud where suddenly my good friend Jean-Luc is being attacked unfairly. I don't... Uh, yeah. I mean, I could see that. I think it's like they're so steadfast in wanting it to di- to differentiate themselves from TNG that that is the shorthand of how they did it. Yeah. I think it's like a classic... You know, it's like the Avengers meeting for the first time and they, you know, they have to fight, you know? It's like that kind of... You got to see the conflict between the heroes to test their mettle and then by mm-hmm. the end they come to a, a resolution. It's also, as I said... It's just a, a clinic of subtextual acting. They, with they, the they benefit shook hands of us. with an insert shot at the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what I'm saying. By the end, they've they've sort of found their resolution. 
but at the beginning they have to kind of face off mix it up Jerry Canavan also said uh, going forward I'd really like Andy to track whether he thinks the Trill symbionts are normal aliens doing normal alien stuff or creepy body snatchers who took over and enslaved a planet <laughs> it's a great side thought um, yeah what's the difference between these guys and the conspiracy uh, bugs I think We're, the difference is the, the the free will still happens. Well, as far as we know. Well, that's true. That's true. Lieutenant Lucas says, I'll be driving through Massachusetts next week, Portland, Providence, and was hoping to get some recommendations for good eats. Not sure if I'll do that 95, 495 or live dangerously and go through DT. I'd endure Boston mm. traffic for a good meal. You know, staples for me, you're just, you're just, you're going to want you to head to an Anna's Taqueria in Boston get yourself a super carnitas burrito mm. then uh, if you're like well why would I have Mexican food in Boston it's really good I live in LA and I can tell you that it's really good better than Whoa. a lot of the burritos out here uh, then get yourself a, a, a lobster roll over at uh, Jay Hooks uh, that's on the waterfront of the Haba do you think have you been to Maine Mm-hmm. You think Massachusetts versus Maine in terms of lobster rolls? Yeah. <laughs> there's okay. Connecticut style and there's New England style, if that's the question. In terms of lobster rolls? Yes. What's the distinction? There's the cold mayo and then there's the warm butter. Oh, that's the dis- yeah, the classic distinction. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that was a uh, geographical thing. Um, and you, I bet, are cold oh no 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 my friend i like a warm butter warm interesting and yet you hate the heat you like the warmth in your mouth (laughs) i hate the heat and i like a warm (laughs) lobster roll it's bananas i know it's crazy right um kevin quinn uh uh Right. Speaking as the type of Star Trek fan that likes TNG and only TNG, there were a lot of people that said this uh, in the Patreon. I'm excited to have my first go-round with DS9 alongside you guys. That said, maybe I'm a big dummy, but if the station orbits Bajor, like Matt says, then why would they call it Deep Space Nine? I assumed it was kind of the, the kind of thing that you build out in the void of space to fill a gap in your defenses due to the star systems along a hostile border being too far apart. Well, I can tell you that it's because of its relative location to Deep Space 10 and Deep Space 8. You mean the other space stations. They were already, because they're farther they're they're also far out. They're what in between. Mean? DS you know how there's Deep Space 1, 2, 3, they mentioned like Deep Space 6. Oh, I don't think he's asking why is it 9. I think he's asking why is it Deep Space. At least that's the way I understood it. Well, it's deep relative space to right. the Federation. Kobayashi Maru writes, The facets of Benjamin Sisko. Andy, buckle up because you're about to experience probably the most emotionally diverse, animated, and impassioned commander slash captain in all of Trek. Sisko will range from moments of, ow, to moments of utter cold steel. Sisko, <laughs> at his best, in my humble opinion. Um, I've been looking forward to hearing both yours and Matt's thoughts on the series. Let's all exist here. Um, uh, yeah. Let's do it. Let's exist okay. here. Brian 
Oh yes. no, I'm so sorry. It's the Moops. The correct answer is the <laughs> Moops Hellman. Um, writes, so just finished listening to the pod. I can't remember ever agreeing with Matt while disagreeing with Andy so quickly. Matt was right. The ratings are 100% arbitrary because by Andy's logic, even a terrible pilot is a 9.5 because pilots are difficult to write. Way to set the writings, ratings bar for the show, guys. By the way, this pilot is especially bad in my mind because I just rewatched The Lost Pilot. Now that's a 9.5. So Brian had a long Whoa. treatise on why he did not like the pilot. The Lost Pilot is a fantastic pilot. It's a t- fucking movie. It's, a it's $50 the Lost Pilot. One of the greatest of all time, uh, ironically, and one of the worst finales of all time, most frustrating finales of all time. Well, you know, um, they say start start strong and limp to the finish line. <laughs> But just to clarify my own perspective, I don't know if you were you were on the same page, Brian, but I was saying I was judging it by the difficulty of writing a pilot, but I wasn't saying it was a bad episode of television independent of that. I think I was giving it slight extra points, and you can argue well you can't judge it that way um, in general, uh, but I still think it was like impressively drawn in terms of like covering everything you got to cover it was clear it had a fucking kick-ass opening with wolf 359 i love the face off between you know it's like you heard my breakdown there were tons of things that i liked in the end i land a little bit higher than maybe maybe i should have because it is i did agree with matt that it was slow maybe but i still think it's just an impressive couple of episodes of television so I wasn't saying it was bad, but good for, you know, when you judge it against a pilot. Um, Interesting. Darach Morrissey says, so happy to see a new series kick off with Matt and Andy. I love the Wolf 359 pre-title scene. I seem to remember somewhere that they ran out of money for Best of Both Worlds. And so use the DS9 premiere as a way to depict that battle. Feel free to send me a prime corrective if I'm wrong. Um, I think that's as always. Well, there's there's a lot of talk. I think we talk about prequels and the flaws therein. I know we do, and uh, that's the perfect way to use going back in time. It's like, oh, we never got to see that. Fucking, I would love to see that. It's also something that's like mentioned in dialogue, and you're not like filling in holes that break any canon. That's true. You're matching so, yeah. what the thing is you already know. You're just you're just you're just going in for a deeper look at something that was already established. Right. Um so our friend Kamaraki sent that's us why, some... honestly that's why I like Rogue One. Yeah. Did you watch the Andor trailer? No, it just came out. I have not watched it yet. It looks I don't know. I don't know that I don't know that interests me, honestly. It looks do any well. Do any of them interest you? Obi-Wan sort of interests me. Did I watch it? No. See, Obi-Wan, I think you're going to be more frustrated by than Mandalorian, which I think is good. But this one does look promising. Um, Even though I don't really care about that character that much, and I, well, even though I respect Rogue One... The show's here to one, make you care for him. Maybe. Uh, even though I really respect Rogue One and like a lot about it, I wasn't as wild as everybody else was um all right kamaraki sent us some sounds if you would play ds9 mvc uh, this is his version here it is 
Then he sent uh, one uh, called DS9 Runabout. I'm not sure where we would use this, but uh, it seemed very popular. Let's take a runabout Define skill Set seasons out This mission's gone away Well, the story's left the station And we're filming in the valley That's funny. Um, and then he sent a sketch uh, that it is four minutes. So if you uh, did, you want to play that now? You want me to kick that to another episode? We still have uh, more hails. To I get liked through. it. I thought it was funny, and I appreciate all the production that went into it. It is four minutes long, so we the end here. I'll kick it off. I'll, I'll play the first thirty-five seconds of it. I can remind you to play. It. Ah, you must be the new transfers. That's us. Space Nine, gentlemen. I'm Lieutenant Uraki. I understand you've already been shown your quarters. Now we just need to get you guys your duty assignments and we'll put you to work. Let's see here. It says you've been assigned to... Huh. This... This... Huh. Excuse me a moment. Uraki to Lieutenant CL. CL here. CL, I've got these new transfers here and I'm just looking over the work assignments you sent over. Are you sure these are accurate? Yeah, I just checked them this morning. Why? Well, it says that Lieutenant Myra and Lieutenant Secunda are assigned to podcast duties? Yes. Apparently, Starfleet wants a running record of what happens on the station, so they sent them over from the Enterprise. Wait, they want a record on top of our daily logs? We make them constantly! (laughs) It's a little... A little snippet. I'll play the whole thing at the end of the show. It's great. It's very funny. I like the world building, and I like to imagine that we are here on behalf of Starfleet to create a historical record, and then we rate the crew at the end by giving. Um, We're here for crew evaluations. <laughs> Is that should we, we should we change it from NBC to crew evaluations? Um. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Corey Carlisle Corli- says, I guess maybe who's not even listening to this, I really enjoyed spending the last few years with you as you worked your way through Star Trek Next Generation. It saddens me I will not be listening to you for another five years as I will not rewatch the worst Star Trek iter- iteration there is. Uh, it should have been called Star Trek Deep Space Mall 9. I uh, hope I'm still alive <laughs> when you get to... Zing! <laughs> get to TOS. Um... No, very That's few funny. people seem to have this stance. That's very Although funny. there, it does it does interest me that the hard lines people draw. It's yeah. polarizing. It really is. Um, and it, it, like it's as polarizing as like old Trek versus new Trek is now. Like is there are lines, you know, and it's like people are so bored. Like I, 
people were bored by DS9 when it started. I mean, obviously it lost me, so but I'm I felt like I was in a weird category because I also wasn't really on board for TNG until now. So But he watched um, Voyager. I watched so Voyager. Weird. So weird. You know, someone else in the in the in the hail bag had said that they had had a similar experience. <laughs> so I don't know. And I don't think they were a Jerry Ryan uh, booster. I think they it's just like how it fell that this that DS9 didn't felt like it was stationary and wasn't that interesting and then Voyager was interesting to them again I didn't like it DS9 yeah there you no go. I didn't I did not like DS9 until season I mean just like every Star Trek show I guess season 3 and then did you reevaluate the first 3 seasons it's no, like no I, I treat them like like the first 2 seasons of TNG but the first two seasons of TNG, there are ones that you really love amongst there. Yes, but none that I really watch. Oh, really? You don't? You really do avoid the first two seasons? I like. Well, I watch like Elementary Dear Data every now and then. Interesting. But that's it. Interesting. You still know him pretty well for that. Who? Maybe. <laughs> um. Also, Kamaraki sounds fucking cool. It's a cool full. <laughs> it's a cool surname. It's a cool last name. The whole thing. Um, I have to chime in with a second hail just to say, can we all thank the prophets? They did stick with Kira's haircut in the pilot for the rest of the series. I disagree. I like Kira's haircut. That's what pilot. I was going to say. Nana and rocks she, the when she finally gets back to it in like season seven, I'm like, there yeah. it is. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Yes, I agree. Well, that's I'm shocked. I thought you were going to come down on me for that. No. I think Nana Visitor made a poor choice in haircuts. <laughs> Assuming it was her choice. Um, Tess, Lieutenant Tess, writes, uh, the guys talked a bit about how Andy being a nun... Maybe I'll do a poll on that. <laughs> the Nana Visitor's hair. Uh, being a non-TNG fan during Emissary's first airing may have contributed to it not catching him. As a huge TNG fan, I watched Emissary when it first aired here you go but I didn't like it either Cisco's overly dramatic and theatrical style didn't appeal to me at all as I was completely loyal to my first love the Picard also there seemed to be so much overt sexual harassment played as cute early on that I found uncomfortable and unappealing anyway I never made it out of season one but after getting the net getting Netflix during the pandemic I decided to give DS9 another go and about a year and a half ago I watched uh, all seven seasons and I found I really grew to enjoy Cisco so much. Avery Brooks gives a couple of absolutely gut-wrenching performances that left me a sobbing mess. And I think he and Sirach Lofton, how do you say it? Mm-hmm. Uh, create the strongest and most authentic parent-child relationship in all of Trek. Hey, 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 come on. I think we're really, that is not doing a service to Alexander. Uh, TNG is still my Trek true love. And the DS9 season one, uh, quote, cute sexual harassment is still skeezy, but I'm happy to be riding along with TNC's DS9 journey. Uh, welcome aboard. And uh, I'll look, I'll look for, I look, I look, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll look for the skeezy sexual harassment, probably. I, mean, I guess we've already seen, um, we've seen Bashir ask 
uh, oh man, Dax. Dax out in front of two people, literally inches from them. So, uh, but I assume you're talking about more extreme things as we go. Uh, for anyone who is bored by the idea of a parking lot in space, I had a friend in the same mindset who got through it and now loves it. The way I got him on board was telling him to stop thinking of DS9 as a parking lot and try to think of it as Deadwood in space. There's a surprising number of parallels with everyone moving around the promenade from shop to shop, especially things like Quark doing shady business out of his bar and Odo playing the part of the station sheriff. Hope this helps. And then Bazaruski added, that's a very good analogy. The show was originally targeting that idea, but with an older reference, the decision to set the series on a space station rather than a starship spawned when Brandon Tartikoff originally approached Rick Berman about the show in 1991 and specifically said he wanted to have a format that was new for Star Trek but was classically written uh, classically written Western. If the next generation was Wagon Train in space, Deep Space Nine was to be the Rifleman in space, a man and his son coming to an, a dilapidated frontier town on the edge of known civilization. Which really would have... I mean, I didn't have, obviously, Deadwood as a as a comparison. And, to be honest with you, uh, Deadwood falls into my... Uh, a thing I often say, which is a lot of fantastic shows that you got to get to episode four before you're on board, and that was Deadwood for me. But uh, that's a great way of framing it that, to me, sets up like more of the patient kind of like, oh, it's going to be about more of the interactions between these people and less about... What's the huge thing they're facing this week? Right. Andrew Gibson, I mean, I don't, I don't know of anybody who came back and you know came back to DS Nine and watched right. through that didn't. I like wonder it. how many of them though are like, oh, I finally saw it at the end when people are raving about it, and that changed my mind on the beginning, or if they were like, I've appreciated the beginning more because I'm already more on board. I'm way more on board than I was on the initial viewing. Well, that's There's so many different. Now you I mean, actually older, like Star Trek. I've seen you actually television like Star Trek more. You I've, don't. You didn't like Star Trek until now. I didn't. Now like that you've TNG. sat through TNG, I like TOS, baby. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I think you're right. That definitely altered everything. Um, Andrew Gibson says, "Would." St- Patrick Stewart had been obligated to star in the episode or would his team have negotiated his pay? Say that again? Uh, would Patrick Stewart have been obligated to star in the episode or was it, no. would his team have negotiated his pay? Yes. No, it wouldn't have. Yeah. Uh, I assume he would have not raked them over the coals. Like, he would have been a little bit friendlier <laughs> because it was the franchise that he was a part of, but uh, he definitely would have gotten a nice chunky fee for launching this other series Kristen Scalisi goddess of carbs said I had to laugh when Matt said I'm taking all the credit for your marriage in response to Ann Chamberlain mentioning mentioning her fiance why because Matt is literally responsible for my marriage in February 2011 Matt was ranting about Star Trek Generations on the Nerdist pod which led to a random Floridian uh, to comment about it on the now defunct Facebook discussion board for the show. Uh, about a month later, I learned of the boards and started reading them, and of course, had to respond to Random Floridian's excellent post about generations. We started <laughs> chatting, friended each other, began talking daily, and three months later, he visited me. We started dating 11 years ago, five years in. I made him move to Boston. Oh, Boston. And we've been married for six years, all because Matt Myra thankfully 
likes to go on Star Trek rants. So keep it up and create more happy couples. That's what I'm here to do, you know? And uh, that pleases me. If that's like every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings, you've created thousands of couples. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I have. You know, uh, in the amongst Jews, that's people become matchmakers because if you create three couples, then you uh, you get into hell. Oh, I mean, I'm responsible for a lot of babies too. I think. Wow, how do you have responsible for the babies? Have you have you listened to my IVF podcast? Oh, that's true, Andy. I'm out here creating love and life. Okay, I don't know what you've been doing besides not liking Star Trek. I like Star Trek TOS, and then now I like more of Star Trek. Um, and I, and I liked, agreed, inexplicably, Voyager. Um, Lieutenant Marger uh, says, I can't wait for Picard Season 3. This podcast discussion of it, that is. I have zero hope left for the show itself. Fool me three times? Come on. We discussed it uh to a large degree in the Patreon, but uh, I did want to just touch on it briefly. Matt had a lot of a lot of issues, even with the trailer. No, no, I'm just clicking around. Um, which I finally have seen. Joseph Parker writes, is Quark's, is Quark's comment, I love a woman in uniform, bad writing because Ferengi don't believe women should wear clothes, or is it good writing hinting at Quark's more liberal attitude? Hmm. And Alex Jahans proposed, it's liberal in the, in, in the way like watching lesbian porn in the 80s. He's technically progressive for his people, but in a gross and sexist way. <laughs> <laughs> and that sounds accurate to me. Uh, Frederick Rombout said, so did Picard actually deliberately sit on Cisco's request for transfer to give him time to think about it, or did he legitimately forget slash not have time to send it? I thought this was a valid question. Say that again? He seemed very distracted in that episode. Well, they have the... Cisco says he wants out, and then it's the whole episode, and then at the end, he's like, yes, I'm preparing to send that off you like i still haven't sent it off i think he did i think it was one of those very picardian moves oh, so you think he was conscious oh i think he was he believed in cisco as the right person for the job yeah the entire time and knew that he would come around and therefore didn't send it even though he seems kind of like he's not sure on cisco when he or is he you think yeah. that's just part of the the picardian that's, test that's part of the dance Gotcha. <laughs> the dance. Uh, Frederick also says, uh, uh, Andy, for having correctly previously described TNG space bars as low rent and poor imitations of the Moss Eisley Cantina, what is your first impression of Quark's bar? I don't really have a read on it thus far. It feels kind of like uh, the same kind of, you know, low rent sci fi channel, kind of like, eh, this is where the the rogues and the weirdos hang out so i'm not i'm not on board with it yet that's my take so far command master chief robert garrison uh has sent us a, a long hail about commanders and rank um can i dive in do you want to 
save it. You can do whatever you want. It's your show too. I know, but you know my my mental problems um, in terms of <laughs> sorting through hail. Full extent of them, I don't know. <laughs> well, regarding the hail bag, you're, bag, you're familiar. With it. Uh, well, I do know that it's uh, there were 52 minutes into the podcast. That's what I was saying. Master Chief says I'm doing it. Uh, I'm if going for it. The fucking audience had just let me split them in two. <laughs> oh boy, you really Which, wanna, by the way, you want to stir up every bee- beehive we have. By uh, the way, audience, <laughs> I know so oh, much, Jesus. so many, so many less of you downloaded the first part of All Good Things that was hails only. So many <laughs> thousands of people less than listen to the actual episode discussion. <laughs> Proves my point. Andy, back to the hills. Argument. Uh, Master Chief says, back to, I believe- the, back to the runabout. <laughs> uh, I believe that Cisco, being a commander versus a captain to begin with, was due in part to racism. Now that I have your attention, let's understand that both commander and captain are general and specific terms. Both are positions and ranks. Depending on the period in history, the country, and which services in question... The ranks of captain and commander take different relative positions, so in many places there are different standards as to if someone is the commander of a thing or the captain of a thing. Examples, Major Smith is the commander of the garrison. Commander Smith, commander Smith is the captain of the ship. Captain Smith is the aircraft commander, and so it goes. Specifics come down to what is determined to be appropriate rank for the position. Let's also not forget the concept of rank in the person slash rank in the job. Sometimes two people of the same rank are assigned to the same unit. One is placed in command over the other. A Trek example is uh, by the end of the original movie run, you have Captain Kirk, Captain Spock, and Captain Scott all on the same ship, but it was never in question who was in command. Even more, occasionally a junior ranking person has authority over some function and senior ranking people are obliged to follow the junior's instructions. Since the age of sail, captains of large ships work up to that position. Whether military or civilian, you don't just start off being the captain of the largest ship in your fleet company. Looking at you, JJ. Uh, you gain progressively more experience, prove yourself, and get promoted. In World War II, Lieutenant Junior Grade Kennedy was captain of PT-109, but the same Lieutenant Junior Grade Kennedy would never have been captain of a battleship. Because a battleship was so much larger, had more people, and had more capabilities, only someone with the rank of captain could commandeer such a vessel. Had Jack continued in his naval career, he might have have been have next been stationed on a battleship as a junior officer, then, say, a light cruiser as a department head, and then perhaps a frigate as executive officer, and next perhaps as a captain of a smaller ship while he held the rank of lieutenant commander or commander. Uh, that in and of itself is very interesting to me. In Star Trek, they have often been a little loose with ranks. One potentially reasonable excuse for this is to keep things simple for the majority of the audience. Since you start out with Captain Kirk and, Kirk and Captain Picard being the stars of the shows, the writers probably didn't want to uh, have too many characters outrank our hero. As Matt said in the podcast, I know you both won't remember this, there are plenty of times that commanders have been in charge of bases, even large star bases. Matt, do you remember e- saying that? Matt's example was Commander Calvin Hutch Hutchinson, commander of the Arcaria base in Starship Mine. Another is Commander Quinteros, commander of Starbase 74. Uh, and you also have Commander Hansen, Hansen Al-Salah, commander of Outpost 4 in uh, TOS Balance of Terror and Quality of Mercy. 
Many times, star bases are under the command of uh, Commodore or Admiral, perhaps showing that they have a larger area to command than a star base uh, under the command of a commander. For most starships, Trek has a commanding officer at the rank of captain, for simplicity's sake. Otherwise, they would have to lay out a system of which rank for which class of ship, station, something they clearly don't want to do. It's uh, only with the exception, there are a couple, where we see someone with a rank lower than captain as the commander of a starship. Now, to DS9, all things being equal, there's justification in the narrative for Cisco to start off with the rank of commander. In the beginning of Emissary, the space station DS9 is not that important. So perhaps it is the correct billet uh, for commander. Certainly commanders have uh, important positions, but it is all relative to the rest of the star service Starfleet in this case. Matt may also be correct that they wanted to have Picard be an authority over Cisco for sake of drama. It is even possible that someone thought it would be a good way for casual viewers to distinguish the show from TNG and later Voyager. By the end of Emissary, DS9 and Bajor will shortly become a leading center of commerce and scientific exploration. And for Starfleet, one of our most important posts, to me this now sounds like at least a captain's billet. Is that, am I pronouncing that correctly? Billet? And one could even argue it jumps off uh, to a flag officer's billet that way, the way that JL <laughs> described it. <laughs> Interestingly, in the documentary What We Left Behind, uh, Baron Cisco in the original script uh, said Cisco in the original script was a younger man, which was how in p- the part had been written. Some guy was still earning his way in the Federation chain of command. And what we got instead was the mature man, this powerful man. And it's like, wait a second, this isn't a commander, this is a captain. Now you can tell me that captains are on starships and common commanders are on uh, static space stations. And that might be right, but it's wrong for Deep Space Nine and it's wrong for the guy we hired. Um, documentary leads me back to my original premise. In it we see this smug, cowardly, dick cheese, racist, paramount executive with his stupid sweater tied around his neck. <laughs> Did he really have his sweater tied around his neck in, his, in the documentary? That guy is a dick cheese. Uh, he defends his decision to force Avery to shave his goatee but not shave his head so that Cisco would look, um, um, for lack of a better term, street. Colomini uh, explains it even better, and I will not use his language for fear of being misunderstood. Who are these 100% idiotic executives? Who put this douchebag in charge? The other lame excuse offered was that people would think Cisco was a hawk in space. A duh. I'm an idiot TV watcher, and I think a character from a detective show canceled in 1989 is now on Star Trek in 1993. I'm so confused. A duh. All this is low class. Saying you don't want him to be street was a pathetic racist attempt to keep Avery in his place and was as disgusting then as it is now. This leads me to believe the exec made other decisions that were racially motivated and being sure that a black man ranked below Kirk and Picard was another way that they could mollify any Hick viewers who complained that Star Trek was portraying black and white curtains as captains as equals. Well said. Yeah. I mean, I found all the rank stuff really uh, fascinating, and the obviously the racial stuff is just <laughs> insane. The other thing is, but it is interesting also that uh, Bear that they had intended Cisco to be a younger man. A because that kind of is another fascinating. Like I like that intention that he was going to be this young man who had not been in command of a starship that was suddenly out in this 
corner of space having to deal with all these things and slowly that that station gained a power whereas you feel like watching avery brooks's version of cisco it's like this guy's gonna handle himself whatever is thrown his way which is a slightly different spin that is it's so wild to me about the hair and the goatee thing (laughs) it's also (laughs) so crackers I'm glad they finally pushed it through. Did Avery Brooks demand it, or did uh, did they? I don't know. Just make a decision. I wonder. Um, if I were him, for... I just would have showed up for work like that. Right. <laughs> uh, was there any hubbub about um, Frakes dis- uh, deciding? Like, did he have to fight anybody to get his beard? No, he just showed up to a table read. Uh, well, the, you know, when they're coming back from hiatus, he was gonna shave it. He was on. He was on vacation. He grew a beard. And Gene Roddenberry liked it. Oh, that's right, because he thought it was nautical. Yeah. Um, that's it for the priority ones, and then I just have a couple of, a couple in the hail bag. Captain, we are being hailed. I didn't close the priority bad. one, but you know what's funny? As I was going through it, and I was ignoring, you know so many of the hundreds of hails that were sent us mm-hmm. i was uh i was like oh, i'm doing a really good job this week <laughs> i really have no sense um time loop from alan scott evans uh there's some strange timey-wimey crap going on with the prophets when cisco encounters them they revealed they live outside of linear time and are unaware of corporeal life forms yet from mm-hmm. the bajoran's perspective they're not only aware of their domain, it's called the Celestial Temple, they've been worshipping them for thousands of years to the orbs and prophecies sent to them by the prophets. So that means that Cisco inadvertently broke the Prime Directive by creating the Bajoran religion, by interacting with these wormhole aliens, and thereby making himself a religious figure. The prophets learned of life outside of their domain from him, sent orbs back in time to ancient Bajorans and interacted with them and intervened in galactic events to ensure the time loop was preserved. I just love these absurd time paradoxes. Which kind of supports my, having never watched the show, but just my sense, that, oh, he's someone who is ordained to have, I don't know, had this position? I don't know. It is all confusing, and I assume it'll all be fleshed out over time. Will it be fleshed out over time? Yes. Yeah. Um, we have Damien from Brisbane sending us a, a welcome hail for DS9. All righty. Here's Damien from Brisbane. G'day, Matt. G'day, Andy. Damien from Brisbane, Australia. Welcome to Deep Space Night. Love the first episode. Fantastic epic voice. Um, you know, it's such an amazing show. I've mentioned before it is my favorite. Uh, I was very, very pleased to see that much like arriving on a broken station, the podcast also arrived broken with uh, many technical issues up front. And I think in the first 10 minutes of the episode, Andy asked 7,694 questions. So well done, Matt, in answering some of those quite tactfully. Um, having being a mega fan of the series, I know that it's not easy to answer some of the questions Andy posed without actually giving spoilers. Um, Andy, congratulations no on idea the filling in I do. your mental canon uh, for the ones that Matt couldn't answer. Um, gave us all some, some food for thought, I think, on why Cisco's there. But, um, mate, I would ask you to hold off further questions 
until the end of the final episode on season seven. All right. Cheers. Bye. Thank you, Damien. I appreciate the appreciation for the <laughs> Herculean task of the inquisitive young man, Andy Secunda, and his need to know everything. But also his hate of spoilers, which is the that's the thing that's crazy to me. It's a dance. I you ask all you. these questions that you know would be spoilers because you want to know the answer, but you hate spoilers, which is like the funny part. Where <laughs> I know. I want to know this, but don't spoil it. I know. I'm uh, I'm an enigma. What are you Just do? watch it. That's all right. Just watch. Uh, Matthew Gayford writes, uh, Hey, Andy, happy to see that you guys finally made a DS9. Um, the canon leaves the exact nature of motivations behind the end of the Bajoran occupation vague. A lot of people wrote in about this. There were a lot of, they weren't really conflicting. They were all generally the same direction. But you were probably onto the idea that the Bajoran resistance simply made themselves enough of an annoyance that it was no longer politically or economically profitable for the Cardassians to continue to sink resources into what was likely becoming an unprofitable and politically untenable colony. Uh, had to pull some stuff out here. Of course, some empires hold on to colonies once all... Uh, he had some descriptions of things that happen during colonizing. But it usually doesn't go well for their <laughs> leaders or people in the long run. One of the things I like about DS9 is that Cardassian soldiers insist it was a political decision and blame their civilian government, while Bajorans insist that it was their resistance efforts uh, were what ended it. The Cardassian military's opinion may indeed be inspired by post-World War I uh, uh, anti-Semitic conspiracy theory, which contributed to the rise of Nazism. Uh, differences of opinions like this, not to mention self-victimization and conspiracy theories, are common in the aftermath of real world wars and occupations continue, and continue to this day. To me, the picture painted of the occupation through DS9 seems to suggest that all f- four... Uh, factors could have been at play at once. You can emphasize whichever one you prefer uh, to suit your headcanon. Uh, one, Cardassian def- Cardassians defeated in the Federation Cardassian War. Two, resistance and exploitation make colony- the colony unprofitable, making Turok nor uh, DS9 no longer necessary as an ore processing station and transport hub. Three, the civilian Detapa Council may have been having second thoughts over military excesses on Bajor, and four, the need to confront the Federation and other outside powers, and later the Maquis, uh, caused the Cardassians to shift their focus uh, shift their focus elsewhere. Keep up the good work, Matt. Um, then I have one that's sort of... We will. Uh, I, I demand it. <laughs> uh, Andre Kane has some clarifications for my questions. Civilians in battle. Ron Moore said that families on starships were a failed experiment that Starfleet instituted during a relative prolonged period of peace, pre-TNG, to improve officer morale. This changed after Wolf 359. Also, I believe Dr. Trek once wrote that Roddenberry's original intentions was that the depictions of civilians being placed in battle situations were supposed to be limited due to starship separations, but rebuilding the battle bridges was cost prohibitive and hurt story pacing. That's certainly true. And then regarding Colomini, I believe O'Brien was always intended to be part of the cast as he was popular with viewers and a favorite of the producers who liked the idea of having a non-commissioned officer on the show to counteract the perceived elitism of the officers. They were so desperate to get Meany, they allowed him time off to film features. 
Um, then well, we that's have, how we got the Englishman who went up a hill and came down a mountain. That's true. And then also he was in The Commitments, right? Which is fantastic. Uh, that was then, pre-DS9, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, we have a hail from Boyd from North Carolina. Oh, Boyd. Tori and I were discussing moving to North Carolina last night. Why in North because Carolina? We discovered the it's barbecue? the geographical it's the geographical center between Boston and Orlando. So if we wanted to be <laughs> near both of our aging parents, like that would be the oh, place to do it. That's uh more that's more uh generous than what I thought it was, which was uh Disney World. <laughs> it's not my fault that my mother lives very close to Disney World. <laughs> Just a sweet, sweet side benefit, you know? I would also respect. Lady hates snow. Now she loves theme parks. Uh, We were doing this. Boyd from North Carolina. Yes. Today sounds. Here it is. Hey, man. Hey, Andy. It's Boyd from North Carolina. Uh, Just listening to the first episode of Deep Space Nine. Glad you guys finally made it to the great parking lot in space. Uh, Andy, I hope you're going to really buckle in, man. Uh, the, uh, the entire series, I think, is a great example of what Trek does best, uh, especially with this uh, being in one place the whole time. Uh, you get to see the, uh, the the results of, you know, instead of just going from planet to planet like Next Generation did or TOS, you get to see the results of decisions made in the first and second season. Good point. Really coming to fruition in the fifth and sixth. Uh, to your question about like the Bajoran occupation, the Kardashians, I, I, I don't want to hash all that history uh, that may or may not exist, but I do think it's important to remember that I think for this show in particular, uh, where it's said in the 90s, we're really looking at a post-Cold War kind of world, and a lot of the situations that we see on Bajor, I always thought when I was watching it in the 90s and the early 2000s, uh, that it really just reminded me of the former Yugoslavia. Uh, you know, Bosnia, Kosovo, all that situation. So you have like the infighting, you got the, the tribal religious thing there, you have a government like Yugoslavia or the former Soviet Union, all these breakaway republics that, you know, now have to kind of find their own way. And I think Deep Space Nine's kind of tuning into that kind of, you know, post-Cold War zeitgeist. So, um, just keep that in mind, I think, uh, when you're going through it and everything. Uh, I think you'll really appreciate this show, uh, but you got to get through the next couple episodes. I'm already about 10 episodes ahead of you guys. It is a grudge in this first season, but uh, it's, 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 it's a, I think, the best Star Trek series. So, uh, guys, live long and prosper, and glad you finally made it to Deep Space Nine. Thank, Thank you, you for your honest opinion of DS9 and for knowing that the... Uh, what am I doing? I don't want to share the entire desktop with Andy. What am I doing? Whatever. Andy, I broke it. That's all right. We often break <laughs> things. Uh, I have two prime correctives. In them. Time for a retrospective. Because truth is our objective. It's a prime corrective. Because Matt and Andy got it wrong. What did we get wrong? I would think, you know, I would say that prime correctives on the first couple seasons of DS9 are going to come fast and furious for us because I don't remember a lot of it. Well, the first one is not, I think was a, actually, you know, I'm going to cancel this because I think that uh, this was from Mr. and Mrs. Uh, the Ultimate Trekkers, but I think that he realized that he 
was wrong because this might be too late but you played the trailer for a man alone which was the episode aired after emissary however most streaming services have past prologue listed second but it was produced second and aired third um but then i think he realized Wait that a second. this was what this did was you wrong watch? because you did you did play the correct the correct trailer i went i'm back so to confused check. what episode did we watch today past prologue Yes. Which one did you watch? Okay, good. That's the one I watched. <laughs> that was terrifying. I was like, good God, what did I do? <laughs> that would have been... <laughs> there, was a, there was a Voyager kerfuffle like that, remember? Yes. Because they produced an episode, but it didn't air, you know, and then like, it was all out of order. And then T- Enterprise had the same shit. He says, it was, he says, strike that reverse. It was a man alone that Netflix listed as episode three, when in reality it was episode four. Paramount Plus correctly lists Press Bullock as episode three. But I was mostly confused because he was saying you were playing the wrong one, like you're playing a man alone, and you didn't. You played the, the trailer for the one we're watching. I guess it doesn't matter because this is a discussion that didn't need to happen. That's the the important Mr. thing is I found the one ultimate extra- tracker. How dare you? <laughs> I How found one way. How dare you try to correct us? We did something right, and you try to correct us when there's so much we have done wrong. You could be correcting us on, <laughs> like this, uh, Neil Stud. <laughs> I, there's one more uh, sound I, uh, I I dropped in. Uh, that is a correction on how we've been saying Nana visitor's name. Oh, Nana. I'll yeah. never say that correctly. Uh, my brain will want to absolutely and fully respect the pronunciation of her name. I really hope I can do it. Nana. Thank you. Uh, Is it couldn't we just. The... I don't have the sound. Can't we just acknowledge no. that he said no. to say it? I mean, it I guess I just don't have faith that I'm saying it correctly. So that's the only reason. I like that the uh, it's, it's uh, an episode where uh, Matt was already mad to start with. That I've tried his patience the most. No, again, I did. I did. I said, I'm not mad at you. I said I'm mad at myself for not having anything to do. <laughs> uh, you have plenty to do. Uh, I wish. You got the golf course. No, like Henry. Henry was napping. Couldn't even like hang out. Do any daddy things. Couldn't do anything fun. And I was just sitting here. Dory was recording. I was like, mm, well, I'm going to record too. Eventually. Ooh, more sounds. And I didn't even get all the sounds. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's my fault. I dropped it in late. Uh, Christ. I don't know how you people fucking listen to this shit. <laughs> I really don't. It's so the long. The show it's where Matt tries so to talk you out of listening. Long. Listening to our podcast. You tell them. Look, for those of you who are, who are frustrated, if you're new and hey guys, frustrated, you wouldn't Hey, guys. reporting for duty. I was just going to say, Matt writes in the in the description of the show at the what they were the end of the hails and the beginning of the show proper is. Yeah, good. Tell them now. <laughs> that should suckers, be the discussion. Suckers, you could have skipped it. <laughs> Says I always read the show notes. I lost it. Where'd it go? What happened? You had it. It was playing. I had to stop it because you're still talking. I backed off. You're the one who chose to honor me. Wait, no, this is not the right one. How's everybody doing out there? <sighs> Fuck this. Hey, in the meantime, I'm going to say, uh, if you want to write hell, uh, you can either join the Patreon, 
and get into the priority one messages or you can write us at sttncpod at gmail.com you can tweet matt at matt myra or uh, you can instagram him there too you can tweet me i'd almost rather do a podcast where we just answer the hails from the the president's circle inside the patreon and give Uh them that Uh and and streamline this beast (laughs) I mean, you make all the. You're the, you're the captain. You're the commander uh, of this I'm space station. I'm only lieutenant, according to uh, according to Cam. I'm a cam. I'm a lieutenant. Hey guys, Constable Neil Studd reporting for duty. A quick, small prime corrective: the actress who plays Major Kira, her name is pronounced Nanar. Just wanted to nip that in the bud before it became the next Diana or the next Secunda. Secunda. Actually, I'll also throw in a temporal prime corrective for something that you haven't even discussed yet. The actor who plays Bashir is credited for the first three seasons as Siddig El Fadil, but since 1995 he's gone by the name Alexander Siddig, ostensibly because everyone was terrible at pronouncing his name. We are all the worst. <laughs> Cheers, guys. See you later. Uh, Siddig? I always said Siddig. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I was pronouncing his name wrong the whole time. If you would like to tweet me, I'm at Secunda. My Instagram is at Andrew Secunda. If you'd like to send us a voice hail, it's 816-TREK-TNC. We're done with the hails. Oh, I see. Now that I'm back on Twitter, you don't even plug my tweet handle. It's so I funny. Tw- I already plugged it. No, I you don't want to talk to missed it when you were grumbling. Anyone. Was I grumbling or looking for scrambling for a sound that should have been in there? Well, you were doing both. Matt oh, is at God. Matt Myra do you know on that both we have Twitter to do and the... Instagram. It's pronounced Myra, not Myra. There you are. Matt is, for uh, those of you uh, uh, who t- can't see him, like all of you, uh, has uh, he's, he's wearing a very happy vote shirt with a cartoon character smiling. <laughs> a giant exclamation point on vote. Yeah, and uh, he looks like his face has been—it's uh, just been worn. I look like wearing a I, thousand years of of wear and tear. I look like I've seen the results of the election. <laughs> <laughs> we crossed many doors to many places. Your hands made us think of all your faces. So plug TNC in your little board node. Let's talk about this week's episode. Okay, dokie, dokie. Guess what, everybody? It's time to talk about this week's episode. Finally, so if you're here, if you're here from uh, the skip aheads, if you read the description and you skipped ahead, welcome to the one hour and twenty one and a half minute portion of the show. It's not. It's not obviously all your fault. I hope you're ready. All right. Do you want it? Do you need a second? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the pod. No, I'm kidding. Uh, all right, we're talking about Past Prologue, which aired 9th of January, 1993. Andy, what was going on on the planet that time? Like, maybe what was the number one song? Well, uh, Darmok and Mornick Works also suggest, uh, so is this format of U.S. versus uh, U.K. number one songs, song we know, made up song? Because that's how it often plays out. Um, it's very funny, but I count that as a hail. I'm now going to have to put a new time code in. You know, I knew you were going to complain about that. And yet, anytime you you throw out the structure, you do whatever you want to do at any moment. It's all a mess. But if there's a hail out of place, then you're like, eh, well, that's a hail. That doesn't count. Because <laughs> I just um, want you to have more self-control. Oh, well, I mean, I mean, I agree with you. 
That I don't dispute. Anyway, number one song in the U.S. is the same as the number one song in the U.K., which was the same as last week. I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Congratulations, Whitney Houston. You have the number one song again. I'm so proud of you too, Whitney. Mm-hmm. Um, they also said it was very loud last week, so I don't know where that sits on your dial. What was loud? The uh, song? Yes. The Oh, great. Well, it's copywritten anyway. Continue. Uh, number one movie, Few Good Men. Number one alternative song, Steam by Peter Gabriel. Number one TV show that week, the NFC Championship events, the Jack in the Box E. coli outbreak occurs. David Letterman announces <laughs> oh, his movie that. show. Oh, you do? Yeah. Were you a Jack in the Box eater? No, because we didn't have it in the Northeast. Oh, interesting. And I was always like, what the fuck is Jack in the Box? What a, what a terrible sounding restaurant. Yeah. It never occurred to me that that was regional. Um, we just I just never ate there. Uh, David Letterman announces he's moving a show from NBC to CBS. Time Magazine cover, megacities, sprawling urban centers rife with problems. We solved it. <laughs> no problems now. Los Angeles is perfect. Um... Then we have an elsewhere in Trek report from Tom Bondurant. Oh, uh, what's happening in the franchise? On January 14th, writer Morgan Gendel turned in his final draft for Starship Mine. And on January 15th, filming finished on Birthright Part 2. There was no new TNG episode on the air that week, but DC published issue number 44 <laughs> of its then current uh, original series comic, a standalone story about corporate greed and climate change, two sadly perennial topics. Chekhov was the MVC, a development I really should have seen coming. Uh, terrific, Andy. And that's it for that section, correct? Correct. Because we don't have any, there's no, we don't have a Frasier or a Cheers or a Seinfeld section, right? We move no, on. This is okay. it. We're done. <laughs> Frank Sinatra's already performed <laughs> here we go past prologue everybody this was written by Catherine Powers and directed by Weinrich Colby here is the premise according to Memory Alpha Bajoran terrorist tests Kira's loyalties to the Federation when he attempts to rid Bajor of the Federation for good I just realized that Kira yeah, it's very close to my last name, and it should be Kyra. Thank you. Let's write them a prime corrective. Dear Deep Space Nine, uh, careful on your pronunciations of <laughs> Kyra. <laughs> <laughs> Ira Stephen Bear is like, how did he get my address? <laughs> That's right, Ira. You're not Ira, are you? <laughs> it's Dr. Bashir, isn't it? Of course it is. May I introduce? I was wondering what you thought of this bromance here. Is this a bromance? I felt like I, I, I wasn't sure if this is an Andy's theory or if this is just like, oh people, no, that's what happens. Is that people? He felt people, like he was full on people, hating on Bashir. People ship them all the time. Uh-huh. These two, uh, these two, I mean, as, these two lovebirds. As well, they should. It seems like there's a huge amount of chemistry between them. <laughs> I don't disagree. Uh, you'll get to know Garrick a lot. It's a good time. Uh, 
Yes, yes, of course. Now, my name is Garrick, a Cardassian by birth, obviously. The only one of us left on this station, as a matter of fact. So, I do appreciate making new friends whenever I can. Now, you are new to this station, I believe. I am, yes. <laughs> though, though, I understand you've been here quite a while. Ah, you know of me, then. Would you care for some of this Tarkalian tea? It's very good. You what a thoughtful young man. How nice that we've met. <clears throat> you know, some people say that you remained on DS9 as the eyes and ears of your fellow Cardassians. You don't say. Doctor, you're not intimating that I'm some sort of spy, are you? I wouldn't know, sir. Ah, an open mind, the essence of intellect. As you may also know, I have a clothing shop nearby, so if you should require any apparel or simply wish, as I do, for a bit of enjoyable company now and then, I'm at your disposal, Doctor. <laughs> I mean, it's, great. it's a great character. It's a great um, character, and it's like so smart of you know the supposed Cardassian spy to you know look at that senior staff and go oh that's the one <laughs> <laughs> that's the weak link <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> also, the way he slides around behind him and puts his hands all over him he's like oh yeah like, what is going on here I mean in the way it cuts the decks when he comes up to the to the what do we call this yeah what is it ops, I, I ops. Gonna ask when you, he comes ops, up to ops yeah. So excited. Like. You won't believe who just sat down next to me in the replimat. Major, upper pylon three will be it's shut like down he's for, got a crush. for 48 hours. The spy! Garak, the Cardassian! He's, he's, he's less, uh, he less has a crush on Garak and more has a crush on the idea of espionage. Well, obviously that's the way the show is playing it, but I wonder what the subtext is. I mean, it's whatever you want it to be, I think. That's the beauty of subtext. Um... Yeah, I do. I mean, it's really clever. Obviously, I'll, you guys all know where the, where the, you're going with that character, but it's really clever to have it to be playing on the element of you know sort of um, connivingness and and kind of manipulation that we've seen as part of the Cardassian, generally speaking, the Cardassian sort of personality. Uh, to speak in broad strokes, but then also not have him have as much of the the threat. Like the threat is all subtextual. He's just kind of trying to be a friendly, charming guy, <laughs> but clearly with an agenda. It's just a really interesting way to approach it. It is interesting. He's the only Cardassian that would have been left behind. It feels like if they're interested, they would just have put as many people on the station as they could. Yeah, but the Cardassians wouldn't be so foolish as to put a bunch of Cardassians on. They won't get the information they need. I see. This this way it seems less threatening. Yeah. Oh, smart. Smart. Also, if I was in the Obsidian Order, have we discussed the Obsidian Order yet? That's their Section 31 kind of thing? No. The Cardassian super spies? Oh, I mean, um, maybe, maybe in TNG, but I don't remember. 
No, I don't think so. I think I just spoiled them having a secret organization. Well, it but seems anyway, like they're saying he's if a spy I were, anyway. if I were the Obsidian Order, I would have ever. I would just genetically. I would just genetic surgery everybody to look like a fucking Bajoran. Yeah, and I'd be like, go, <laughs> go get for your, sure. go get your info. Yeah. Although, right. do they scan for that shit? Would Odo be on top of that, or is he not that that kind of guy? I mean, look, Odo's whatever you want him to be. Why Odo can't do a nose, I don't know. It is very odd. <laughs> it is the weird thing they sort of stuck with the character. He like, can do a rat's yeah, yeah, nose. He can, he can do everything. Maybe, can, uh, you know what I He can I turn buy? himself into anything except a human being's face. I would buy that it's an emotional block. It's It's almost like, you know, a murderer trying to get caught. He's like, he doesn't want uh, to allow himself to to blend in whether it's conscious or unconscious damn Cardassians firing at a Bajoran scout ship in Bajoran space Mr. O'Brien confirm sir they've crossed into Bajoran space open a hailing frequency to the Cardassians channel open Cardassian vessel you're violating Bajoran space break off your pursuit repeat break off now no reply from the Cardassians Bajoran vessel is hailing us Open the channel. Space station. Do you read? Space station. You can only get audio, Commander. This is Benjamin Sisko, Starfleet Commander of the station. Who are you? Why are they pursuing? Please. Repeating request for emergency docking. Please. The Bajoran scout ship is badly damaged. Structural integrity is failing. He's breaking up. Get him out, Mr. O'Brien. Breaking up. Really, Dax does not have a lot to do in this episode. No, at all. nothing at all. I guess O'Brien doesn't have much either. But uh, but it seems like you would want to put more money on Dax early on, just because you've you've introduced her as this sort of unique character. Um, but whatever, I don't mind a show taking its time to get to all the people. Um, sure. I'm so so DS Nine at this point has barely any defense capabilities or attack capabilities. Like, they're basically helpless other than diplomatically here. As far as last week is concerned and this week, yeah, seems like it, right? Crazy. Such a weird... That in and of itself is such a unique Star Trek show, a way to start a show, that it's like almost universally, like in Voyager, they're the strongest, you know, ship in the in the quadrant in you know the the TNG is the flagship it's always they usually have the most powerful ship so it's interesting to start a show where it's just like we are utterly defenseless open the channel Mr. O'Brien Federation Commander you have taken aboard a known criminal you will turn him over to us he has requested asylum you have not granted it to be honest I haven't decided yet he is Konma. Not even the Bajorans would grant his kind asylum. He has committed heinous crimes against the Cardassian people, and I demand that you release him to our custody. I'll investigate the matter immediately. In the interim, if you care to dock your vessel, I'll be glad to hear an explanation for having violated Bajoran space and threatened a Federation facility. We have made no threat to your facility. I stand corrected. Cisco out. That's pretty slick. Oh, I agree. It's just your classic Ciscoing. Um, 
I find uh, Kira very annoying in this episode. <laughs> um, FYI, I don't know if the pattern continues with interactions like that and the way that Cisco conducts himself in this episode. But it's interesting that to me that classically your breakdown of the captains has been you put Picard up top for diplomacy and Cisco obviously up top for being the wartime captain. But doesn't Cisco, based on this pattern, have to deal with more diplomacy over the course of this series than Picard ever did? Uh oh sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not just uh, not just with the. I mean, now you see the Klingons coming. The Klingons will be by frequently, and it's just like, boy, oh boy, it's just like Deadwood in there, you know. I would not be working <laughs> with the provisional government now. No, you'd still you be off the Klingons, or even some Bajoran that the Konma hold in contempt. Didn't they claim responsibility for the assassination of one of your first ministers last month? Look, I know Tana. Is he Konma? Yes, but. I suggest you get your priorities straight, Major, because I don't have any room for divided loyalties in this command, and I won't have a Konma terrorist using this station as a protective shield for continuing violence. My priorities are straight, Commander. Let's not be confused here. My loyalties are to Bajor, and Bajor needs men like Tanalos. Apparently his war with the Cardassians isn't over yet. If Bajor is ever to rebuild a strong and independent society, it will require the repatriation of splinter groups like the Konma. You have... We have an opportunity here, Commander. I hope you don't miss it. I mean, I would assume you would uh, be annoyed by Kira in this episode. She goes over Cisco's head. It's a it's, classic it's, Shelby you know, maneuver. And I was like, ooh, what is Matt going to think about that? It's fucking protocol break. You know what I liked about it, though? <laughs> what? I liked that the Admiral was like, Ben... You gotta fucking nip get, this in the get, butt. Get it's this na-na. person in order. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, side note: first of all, I don't. Uh, maybe look. I don't know Kira that well yet. I feel like if he had grabbed Roe by the arm that way and yanked her around, she would have took his head off. But maybe I don't know Kira well enough. Maybe she was. She's biding her time. Oh, Kira could take his head off if you wish. Oh yeah. To. Oh nice. Um. Uh, another side thing. And also, I, I guess realize... it depends on how mad Cisco is at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Who's hulking out more? Iron mm-hmm. uh, Stephen Bear was a supervising producer at the beginning of this show? Yeah, and then he became the showrunner. Uh, season. Because, like, once once Voyager started, everybody, like, had to go do that. Yeah. And launch that, and they were left with him. So they're like, yeah, you do it. There we was gotta, that gotta, much money gotta, put on gotta, Voyager, gotta, huh? We, we got to launch a network with Voyager. Gotcha. That's what they were doing because they had to launch UPN. Wow, good for really him. Panned out. They really panned and out. And he did huh? a good job. Everybody liked what he did. Good for you. The most recent of these scars is only two, perhaps three years old. By the way, it was very funny when this guy came in and uh, the chief medical officer calls for medical assistance <laughs> uh, that was so crazy <laughs> side note they have the they have the transporter right there in ops yeah <laughs> seems interesting couldn't get anyone um, better than uh, O'Brien to yank somebody out with the transporter 
He says it in a panicky way, too. Medical assistance! Medical aids! He says everything in a panicky way. Admiral, I think Commander Sisko is being incredibly short-sighted. He obviously... I like that see-through sort of display. That's a little ahead of its time. It's very nice and not even necessary to have an effect that deep from both because you're creating an effect that you could just have it be a... Yeah. An opaque background, so you only have to do the effect in one shot, and this way you have to do it in two shots. Obviously, mm-hmm. doesn't understand the issues involved. Thank you for bringing this to my attention, Major. I'll stay in close touch with the situation. Thank you, Admiral. She's lying. She's going to go and finger out immediately. Well, that's staying in close touch. I guess, yes. Staying <laughs> close, close contact with the situation, a.k.a. I'm about to... She knows her first duty. <laughs> well done. I have some more research to do on the cone mob before I see them. Sir! I don't know much about the Bajoran terrorists, but you've never fought the Cardassians, have you? No. Well, you wouldn't want to turn a man, any man, over to their tender care, sir. You just wouldn't. Subspace transmission from Admiral Rollman for you, Commander. In my office. It's interesting that they didn't put a, a Jellico out there. Someone who had had a lot of... A lot of Cardassian road underneath them. I think they knew that Jellico would have just added too many shifts. And it would have disrupted all <laughs> of the station life. Ben... That Bajoran woman you have working for you interrupted a staff meeting to tell me how she disapproves of your handling of this asylum matter. I think you have a problem there, Commander. Yes, Admiral. Bajoran woman seems (laughs) vaguely specious. Oh, of course. That Bajoran woman, what do you call her? Bajo? Bajojo? Jora? I don't know. Whatever her fucking name is. I was in a staff meeting. <laughs> that Ridge knows. She said, "If you require all vessels to endure such lengthy docking procedures, Commander, you're going to have a lot of impatient traffic out there." I apologize. We're still trying to repair all the damage your forces did before they left. It does create unreasonable delays. I accept your apology, but not your explanation. What about Tanalos? Well, we've got a problem. A diplomatic insult to the Cardassian people would be a problem. Delivering a wanted criminal to us would not be. Dalar, in war, both sides commit atrocities. I can only tell you that we are certain he plans to commit more acts of terrorism. He tells me that he has renounced the Konmar and wants to help to rebuild Bejo. He has committed brutal acts of destruction and murder and he must pay for those crimes. I appreciate the Cardassian position, but I know if a Bajoran freedom fighter is turned over to the Cardassians by the Federation, that would be a mistake that would undermine everything that I'm trying to accomplish here. So, with apologies, I'm going to grant him asylum for the time being. Eventually, he'll want to relocate to Bajor. And if you want to pursue the matter with the provisional government, then that's your business. Got it. You know? I mean, it's just like, hey, I'm Cisco. 
I'm going to open the door to my own office so you'll get the fuck out. <laughs> it's pretty slick. It is, it is uh, an interesting distinction between Picard's diplomacy, which is... Picard's diplomacy, gener- generally speaking, is always kind of the carrot. And uh, and uh, Cisco always has like a stick kind of, you know, hi- hidden in the things that he says. It's an interesting metaphor. I don't think I've ever heard that. Oh, the carrot. I invented it. As in dangling a carrot, the carrot? You like, a carrot's kind of uh, nice, something you would want, and then a stick oh, is something. That's why. So that's what I, I came was up imagining. With Here's my brain. My brain was like box, stick, carrot. <laughs> you go on, take the carrot, stick comes out, box. You're trapped. <laughs> And you're caught in his diplomacy. And, and now Elmer Fudd is going to kill you. <laughs> Changed, Tana. With the discovery of the wormhole. Oh, yes, the wormhole. Look, I don't want the Federation here any more than you do, but they are serving a purpose for the time being at least. Without the Federation... The Cardassians would be back in a minute to take control of the wormhole, and the wormhole is the future of Bay Jortana. It's bringing ships and commerce. It's making us a power in the quadrant. I don't want to be a power in the quadrant. I want Bejor for Bajorans. I want our homeland back. We have it back. What do they even know? The occupation was like 50 years. He wasn't around. Wait, what are you saying? What I'm saying is Cardassians probably made Bajor a better place. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I'm, taking, I'm taking Cardassian's side. <laughs> he doesn't know. It could have been way worse. This is unexpected. That is a real <laughs> Cardassian booster. What do you think of this Bajoran uh, guy who's so afraid of two Klingons? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> what? Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Cut. Can we do a take where you're not about to poop your pants? <laughs> but they're horrible creatures. I've never seen Star Trek. They can spit acid at me or something? <laughs> no, no. They're just uh, marginally stronger than humans. Oh, oh, oh. Right. Marginally. Weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Bator of the House of Duras. And we have specific regulations. You can leave the weapons or leave the station. Your choice. Please make it now. Who are you? I'm the one giving you the choice. It's interesting. Welcome. You know, Rene Herbigenois. I'm saying his name wrong too. It's been corrected before, but uh, it's interesting when you see him on Benson compared to this this part. I mean, I guess he's he's just a versatile actor, but it's like because I think I knew him from Benson, and that was another reason I was like, man, I don't buy this guy. But he's doing a pretty good job. But it is funny that that's like a fop, and this is like a badass. This is like a, also like the first season makeup for him. I don't think is as good as the later seasons. Oh, interesting. On High Council started a brief civil war. They've been out of sight since then. I ran a security check. The Klingons have them listed as renegades. We've heard they've been trying to raise capital to rebuild their armies. But what are they doing here? Sitting, 
They went straight to Quark's, but not for the gambling. <laughs> and certainly not for the food. They're just sitting. I don't like it. Why don't I... Add a quarks? Lock them up and call the Klingons to come get them. Odo. If they're enemies of the Klingon High Council. They haven't broken any laws here. You can't just throw them in jail. You know, Cardassian rule may have been oppressive, but at least it was simple. Odo gets it. Keep an eye on them. As you wish, Commander. You know, it's funny. I guess we're, we're going to get into it more, but it's funny uh, you should take this position of supporting the Cardassians the way you are. But the with the discussion between Kira and uh, Tana, what's his name? Yeah, sure. Um, Tana. Uh, is it? Doesn't he have a valid point that it's like? In the end, it's like, no, we have to protect the wormhole because it lends power to Bajor. But isn't he also right that if he destroys the wormhole, then every then the Cardassians, everybody are going to be like, oh, well, fuck this. Then we're leaving. We were going to leave no, anyway. No, because the wormhole was discovered last week. And the, the tensions were still the same. The Federation came in before the wormhole was discovered. And the Cardassians left and took aggressive postures before the wormhole was discovered. Did they? Yes. I don't remember at what point in the pilot they they the, sort the, of were The wormhole doesn't get discovered till the second half of the pilot. Gotcha. So they never intended to leave. They always intended to kind of oh, yeah, sit back correct. and mix it up. Gotcha. Yes. All right. There you go. Well, then I agree and, with Which Kira. is why I think his idea is uh, very stupid. Yeah. It's also stupid, like, because if you watched the pilot, you'd know that the wormhole wasn't always there. <laughs> this, the wormhole's not why the Federation and the Cardassians are there. Well, I thought it was what was being suggested was that they had already raided the planet for all the resources they could get out of them, and that the Bajorans had just become such... It's all the things we were talking about in the Hales, that they'd become such an annoyance that... It was like all these combining factors, and the the Cardassians are still like, yeah, maybe we'll keep keep you know hanging around and try and get something, but it didn't get supercharged like it did until the uh, the wormhole showed up. I think he's uh, misguided. Morning, Mr. Garak. Excuse me. Just plain simple, Garak. You said plain and simple. Join me, Doctor. Enhance my evening. Keeping an eye on the ebb and flow of things, are you? As a clothier, I do have a keen interest on what the population is wearing from day to day. Klingons have an odd sense of style, don't you agree? Oh, yes, they do. But intriguing. I would say that those two outfits are worth studying closely. <laughs> He's a like, real doofus. I like how obtuse he is in this early part of the show. Uh, so we find out that Larsa and Bittor made some sort of deal with him. Uh, and also we find out that Odo was a barrel? No, a rat. 
They could have just played the sound and then cut back to him. No problem with Rat's face. So it seems like, in addition to all his other superpowers, the volume that he's going to shrink down to or raise to is irrelevant. Seems to be, yeah. Uh, all right. Although sometimes, like the like, sometimes they'll have it so like he's also the floor, right? You know, around the whatever, cre- you know what I mean? Right. So like so the volume is the same, but sometimes it's not consistent at all. Any predictions? Well, I have two of the ministers, the smart ones, ready to vote for amnesty. I'm sure one of the others will fall in line. Good. And Tana says two more of the Konma are willing to follow him if you'll guarantee their safety. Done. I have to say this, Commander. When we first talked, I wasn't sure you... This wouldn't have been possible without your support. I want you to know it's appreciated. Be sure to mention it the next time you chat with Admiral Roldman. Oh, snap. Sir. Oh, uh, shit. Get your air horn. Um, oh, I... here, here, here he goes. Wait, he's got to go, go, do it. Go. go over my head again, and I'll have yours on a platter. I didn't say that with a goatee and being bald. <laughs> go over yours again. What do you think? What do you think? What do you you think? should really go back to the hairstyle you had just a short time ago. <laughs> um, what do I think about him laying down the law? Yes. Uh, I like it. I like this interaction. I like that he's showing it's her. It's funny that how he you can... like this interaction, but you hated the way Riker treated Shelby. I guess this is the distinction. I feel like <laughs> I feel like she is preemptorily going over his head. He's interacting with her. They're getting to know each other. And granted, he did act like more of it, you know, he's like grabbing her and like getting in her face earlier in the episode, but it does seem like, you know, he's done a few things that are like reasonable even in the pilot. So, mm. I just think she's She's uh, just she's going above his over his head too fast. Also, it's weird to me that this this th- her her perspective being like Bajor, like the Federation's interfering. If that's like the the conflict she's you know figuring out, going over his head to the higher than him in in Starfleet seems like kind of a shifty, weaselly move. Interesting. Like so it doesn't it doesn't track the same to me. Um, I was going to say uh, I just thought you had a double standard and you didn't care for Bajorans. <laughs> you're a guy who comes down on me for Moriarty, and then you're siding with the Cardassians. So uh, everybody's got their <laughs> complicated perspectives. I'm <laughs> siding with the Cardassians for humor. <laughs> They're awful. I see. I see. <laughs> My opinions are who I really am. <laughs> Um, the, um, eh, oh, the other thing I was going to say is, is a lot of people who said that their issues also with, with DS9 were this, you know, this ops instead of a, a bridge and, you know, had a, it was more grimy and all this stuff. Uh, but I will say I like how they've laid it out, 
even in terms of blocking, that they have more options to shoot things in interesting ways, like Cisco standing above her when they have this conversation on the stairs, and there's a lot of different yeah. levels and corners, and uh, I'm sure that must have, knowing what they've dealt with on... Uh, you know, on TNG for all these years, that must have been a real conscious choice of like, let's really give ourselves a lot of mobility and ways to shoot things in different ways because we may be shooting these for seasons. Reformed Kon Ma, for example. Real traveler style, to close talking. Talking shot. about a business arrangement, he's paying them for something. I don't know what. The gold is supposedly on its way. Two other members of the Konma may be bringing it. How do you know? Th- By the way, that's that's some good um, eye acting. <laughs> the intensity. Yeah, and he's the eyes are locked. You know, I always find acting <laughs> eye contact while acting to me is always the most awkward part of acting. Yeah, and uh, I appreciate it when it's done well. That. Because you have to, like, pretend you're listening. This is acting, everybody. This is my school of specific acting. Uh, you have to pretend you're listening when you're really just trying to remember what the fuck you're supposed to say next. <laughs> Major Kira mentioned that they were on their way. Do you want her to know about this? Not quite yet. was but they uh it was earlier on i don't think it was maybe it was uh tana that says it but in one scene cisco says uh to be honest i haven't decided and then the next scene tana says or maybe it was this moment to be honest i'm not sure anymore a couple couple of to be honests guys come on have the writer's assistant do a pass make sure there are no politician Uh, no i i don't think so you manipulate Cisco and the Federation, the ministers of the provisional government? I'm just determined. I think they all simply get tired of hearing my voice. <laughs> and here we expected to find that Kira Nariz had lost the fire in her heart. What are you talking about? You knew I was here before you even came. Tana, I trusted you. I am Kon Ma. I fight for the freedom of Bajor. You once fought for it as well. I'm still fighting for it. Stop deluding yourself! You say you don't believe in the Federation. You say you don't believe in the provisional government. And yet you are their dance instructor. That's not fair. Don't be naive, Major. I don't want the Federation here, but for now... Once you're in your comfortable bed with the Federation, you won't be able to get out. We won't be able to... Cut. Stop yelling, guys. That's what I would say. Get out. If you expect me to commit some act of violence against the Federation... No. No, the violence is over. That is the truth. No one will get hurt in any way. I promise you that. But I do need your help. You already lied to me, Tana. I know how the game works. To do what we plan, we need a small ship capable of warp speed. I gamble that I could convince you to get it for us. And just what is this peaceful plan? In one move, and non-violently, we accomplish everything both of us has ever wanted for Bajor. How? I know the game too, Kira. You know I cannot risk telling you that. 
How do you know I won't just go straight to Cisco? Well, if you do, they will both know where your loyalties are. Won't we? Zing. So you find none of this interesting? I agree with you. It doesn't have the it doesn't have the fire of a. Uh, I mean, no, it's the machinations of like a, like a, like a, like a, like a, it's like a Tinker Tailor Soldier spy. Right. With less intrigue. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Which like really dulls it. Uh-huh. Yeah, a dulled version is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I accept that. I mean, the lack of intrigue, too, that I have. Because, like, I'm not that interested. You know, because, like, the second that guy comes on board, you're like, oh, he's up to no good. Yeah. And the second the Dura sisters come on board, you're like, oh, they're up to no good. Oh, they're up to no good together. That's sort of interesting. Okay. And then, you know. this is. I mean, the plot moves. I mean, this might be a little bit it's both the the positive and the negative is it's like even in the thing we're debating about the wormholes are like well who's right and they're trying to make it so that everybody's perspective has legitimacy to some degree um although i accept what you're saying about you know that the cardassians wouldn't have gone in it away anyway but it's like and garrick like where does he stand it's like they're trying to play it in this more complex way but as a result it's sort of hard to know when you should be nervous and who you should be nervous for like where the tension should lie other than it's people sort of maneuvering against each other it's primarily I guess it's just Kira's story of her you know having split loyalties and trying to resolve them Mm -hmm. and it is interesting that they land on Nope, she's a hundred percent on board with, you know. You could argue whatever Deep Space Nine is doing. If you're not going to say she's on the side of the Federation, um, which even though she debates it, it does feel almost too fast to me when she she's suddenly like, "Yeah, we're doing it." Like as soon as, after that conversation with Odo, it's just like, "I'm on board." Oh, what I liked about that actually was that Odo like she's she's coming to him you know she's coming to him because she's got the crisis of conscience and Odo settles it for her he Odo knows kind she, of almost knows makes the she, decision for her but he knows that she wants that decision out of her hands right oh oh really I feel yeah. like what the scene sort of implies is that he thinks she's already made the decision. And I guess to I, a certain I, degree, if, she, if, he's, if she's coming to him, then she has. Yeah, yeah. And he makes the call, which is, I thought it was actually, I, I really like the end of that scene. Why do you like that he makes the call? Uh, I mean, I have foreknowledge of their relationship going forward. I see. And just, you know, what Odo's like. Uh-huh. And uh, so maybe I like it more than I should. But I like it. <laughs> Fine. You know, there's one thing about you humanoids I can't imitate very well. What's that? Pretense. I love this. There's a special talent to it. It's as hard for me as creating one of your noses. 
Want to see one of my right like, noses? Well, one of your noses. Noses? Nose. I just see. I don't even. I can't even say it. That's why I've learned to respect your opinion, Constable. Never any pretense. Only important thing is not to betray yourself. How could I possibly turn against my own people? Are they your own people? They're no different than I used to be. Used to be? I could just refuse to help them. Ignore the whole thing. The Geranian ostrich hides by sticking its head underwater. Made a word, word we know. Sometimes even until it drowns. And they'd find a way to do whatever they want to do anyway. And I'd still feel responsible for the consequences. It was so much easier when I knew who the enemy was. Odo to Cisco. Go ahead. There's someone down here in security who wants to talk to you, Commander. Can you tell me who it is? I'm very busy. No, it'll be a surprise. <laughs> if they're still here when you get here, it'll be them. If not, it'll be a tiny rat that will not be me. <laughs> <laughs> this time he'll be wearing a top hat. <laughs> I can now venture to say with some certainty that you will receive the agreed-upon payment on delivery. We will complete our business with Tanner Loss in four hours. And what business might that be? That is not your concern. If it requires that those I represent must take extra precautions, it becomes my concern. We will deliver him a cylinder of Belitrium. The rendezvous will be on the dark side of Bajor 8's lower moon. The Cardassians can have him then. Nice to see the uh, Dura sisters in this. Yeah, it was really great to see them show back up before they, you know, die after Worf kills them. Um, the, the photon torpedo after they destroy my beloved Enterprise. Um, Fuckers. Twenty one. Garrick does uh, these Guinan claws as a defense. <laughs> Twenty one. Oh, wait a minute. Is Garrick an Alorian? An Alorian? <laughs> Is he gonna vomit when a Q appears? <laughs> As we all know, that's definitely what Alorians do. They're initializing pre-launch systems now. Understood, Lieutenant. Shut down all main power systems. Bajor 8 in 120,000 kilometers. Dropping to impulse. What is that? It's a prop. An antimatter converter. We're transferring power from the ship's warp drive into the... Looks like a CNC milled uh, piece of uh, aluminum. <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a... I'm going to call it a heat sink tube. <laughs> Which, like, he has no idea what it is. 
This is a runabout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've asked this before. What is the distinction between a runabout and a shuttle? I mean, you're looking at it. It's It's just like bigger and got more firepower. It's got a conference room. Remember when you saw it on TNG for the first time? And it was, uh, they were all sitting around a table discussing a conference. I don't. When time stopped and Picard's fingernails grew when he touched the fruit. Oh, yeah. That's the runabout. Huh. Or in independence. You got a jingle with me, this. Word of praise moving off and cloaking. Set up an intercept course for the runabout. Intercept in one minute, 12 seconds. DS9 to Ganges. Ganges. The Cardassian warship Aldara is crossing the border, Benjamin, on an intercept course of the Yangtze Let's take a run about. Defiant still, set seasons out. This mission's gone away. Well, the story's left the station and You're welcome. I was sort of disappointed that she didn't she didn't beat him in the hand to hand cleanly. Hmm. Well, just in case. This is the voice of the Konma. There is an armed bilitrium explosive device on board this ship. Fire on us, and you will detonate it. If that device goes off while they're at warp. They spread radiation across half the system. He's headed straight back to the station. This is the Federation vessel Ganges to the Cardassian warship Aldara. So, we're finally allies, Commander. Golden R, the Federation runabout Yangtze Kian is carrying an Cardassians explosive device. really likes to uh, frame themselves for their communiques in the most ominous way possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just get upward real... shot, you know. Uh, can we make sure I get lighting. a splash of light? Uh, make, it, make it red. Make it red. Can you intercept before it reaches the space station? Our time to intercept is two minutes, 14 seconds. It's about a minute too late, Commander. If I may take this opportunity to say that I warned you. <laughs> can we get them in a tractor beam? <laughs> he cut me off. I was <laughs> just I was going to shove Hello. it in his face. Did Hello? you see that? <laughs> cut, I was going to tell him that I told you so, and he didn't want to hear it. <laughs> Get um, me, Cisco. Get it back. <laughs> <laughs> Just take the take the thing off the hook. Um, one's uh, one thing that's interesting is uh, everyone in this show is very emphatic and dramatic about every technical thing they have to do, and O'Brien is the only one that's just like, "Now we got to do this. Now that'll be a minute too late." He's just very like O'Brien would be, just very like, "Well, this is I'm just doing my job. This is the next thing." <laughs> it's kind of cool. You know, back when I was on the most important ship, it's <laughs> uh, just a space station. I don't, you know, it's not that important. Thousand kilometers to DS9. This is your idea of a non-violent solution. It's not the space station you're after. You can't possibly believe you can destroy the wormhole with that device. I don't have to destroy it. Just collapse the entrance. You're only hurting 
Pedro by doing this, Tana? No more wormhole, no more Federation or Cardassians or anyone. It'll just be me and my planet. <laughs> I guess I would have liked more lip service to the other side. Which side? The side of like, that's foolish. The Cardassians are never going to go away, and this at least helps Bajor. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wormhole at full impulse. Chief, calm down. <laughs> Stop shouting. <laughs> This uh, this this action that was happening, I thought was very unclear. Yes, I agree. And I was like, wait, what? So what happened exactly? Right. It's also the 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 action just of like her holding his leg feels like that could have been more cool. <laughs> She's just like <laughs> pulling on his leg yeah. just so yeah. his arm can't quite reach the thing. Well, have you ever had a pant leg tugged on? It's very <laughs> difficult to keep your stride. No, if she's I push right, harder, Commander. she's going to pull my pants down, and I'm going to be embarrassed. <laughs> I'm in a onesie. It's pulling my shoulders, too. If you want her alive, you'll do exactly as I say. Listen to me carefully, Tana. You can either surrender now to me, or you can wait for the Cardassian warship. I can let them deal with you this time. This is Your the moment that he's facing away from her. It's like, she should have grabbed that thing and knocked him out. It's bad, just bad business. Bad, uh... Commander. I wish she took it and shot him. <laughs> I would have loved that. That really would have been a, a shockeroo, a real spin on the character. Or just knocked him out. And no, just shot him, killed him, and was like... He just put incinerated him, him, you're saying? Yeah. yeah. No, no, I'd like a body to be brought home. I had to do this. One day you'll understand. A traitor... He walked the wrong way like he just gave an Oscar speech and walked the wrong way. <laughs> Sorry, this way, this way, this way. Sorry, you have to go to the, we gotta do the press. We gotta go to the press room, press room. How do you feel about Major Kira taking the side very, of the Federation and the current government of Bajor? I'm yeah, I'm very disappointed. I I mean I'm I'm glad for the award, but uh, I just What did you think of the slap? <laughs> really hurt <laughs> when she grabbed your pant leg were you embarrassed <laughs> i was it really pulled on my shoulders first of all <laughs> well you're in a onesie that's weird i should have fought i should have fought a little harder i really was only about a half a foot away from doing everything that i planned to accomplish I like that that's a a non-verbal moment between Cisco and Kira. Yeah. And they walk off together. Probably going to talk about their producer-mandated haircuts. <laughs> I wanted to keep my goatee. I wanted less hair. You wanted more? <laughs> a tragedy? <laughs> I guess it's always true. It sure is. Uh, 
All right. There are a lot uh, of people who keep also pitching people that I'm going to be. <laughs> so this is some of, the, some of the things that I had to uh, prune away. People pitching like, oh, when you see this person, boy, you're going to like her. Hubba hubba. Uh-huh. Also, people confused that I wasn't more into decks. Yeah. Look, I, I haven't gotten a sense of her personality. They haven't done anything. I, don't, I really yet. don't understand that personally, honestly. I like the character. I know everyone's perspective on me. Oh, no. Everyone's no. perspective on you is accurate. Which aspect? You know, you fall for a couple of, you know, let's just call them. You fall for that sometimes, you know, and then you happen to also like the character. I think I'm di- I've disproved that in this scenario. I've everybody's all hot on Dax, and as far as I can tell, I, Dax has no character yet, and I'm not interested. It's true; she does not have a character yet. But you love Doctor Salar, who had one episode. <laughs> I mean, that's Susie Plaxon's. <laughs> she communicated who that character is in seconds. <laughs> I gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anyway, it's time for the MVC. Let's see which new MVC song we can play here. The MVC. (laughs) Who will it be? The MVC. That's enjoyable. Thank you, Cosmo. Uh, who's the MVC, Andy? Let's see. Well, I guess Kira is the one who betrays her own people. <laughs> to, uh, uh, she's the one who sort of, you know, is the most instrumental in turning it around. Although I guess Odo convinces her, at least helps helps her come to the conclusion. Um, is Bashir's dealings with Garrick, is that... I think they, they well they lead to a sharing of information between the Cardassians and the Federation. Uh-huh. Well, a little tough. It really is sort of a group effort. It feels like more of a team than most you know, most uh TNG or other shows. And, I think, I think you know, I think it's I think it's cure for finally Facing the conflict and falling on the right side, or the falling on whatever side it might be. Yeah. Okay. Right or wrong, she falls. Look, if uh, usually we judge it by who saved the ship or who did the most to save the most people in regards to the ship. That's true. No, I was going to say she served Deep Space Nine probably better than anybody else. She made the biggest sacrifice. But in fairness to not her all she did was grab his leg (laughs) that's all she needed apparently that's that's the only thing that was needed to save the wormhole Uh, alright everybody it's time to give out some Andes boy oh boy there's so many Andes things here I don't even know where to begin Hmm. Can I find? We sit and watch, and then we hang and talk. But the podcast isn't over just yet. How many Andy's does this episode get? Uh, well done again. 
I don't I like the I like the intrigue and that they're sort of taking their time. Mm-hmm. It does lack a certain punch. And I can see how if I I don't remember, I don't think I got to this episode, but if I did get to this episode, I could see how it would have been like eh, I don't, I don't know. He, he didn't make it to the second one. Um, <laughs> I love it. But uh I don't remember. But um you know, everything's moving along. I like the development of the characters, but nothing's really nothing really grabs me in this episode. Right. Other than yeah. some of the Cisco sort of development of like yeah. standing up for himself and fucking getting in people's faces. So but it's all well done enough. I give it a six. It's a five for me. Mm-hmm. Uh the show is dull. It's really <laughs> dull. The show is dull. Season one especially. This show is dull, but it gets really good. <laughs> we have to wait till then. But here we go. Anyway, if anyone wants to make that, take that opening, vocal track, have a great song. <laughs> Deep Space Nine is a pretty dull show. <laughs> Especially in the first few episodes. I haven't seen it. Only have a few episodes to judge on. <laughs> uh, let's see, Andy. What's the next episode? Let's see. Let's see. We got uh, a, man a Man Alone. alone indeed. A Man Alone. Let's head over to Trailer Town and take a look at hopefully the right trailer. Deep Trailer 9. <laughs> I didn't even. Why did I laugh at that? It wasn't that no, funny. No, I think I really appreciated the, the polite, the politeness <laughs> of even making that sound. Teehee. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you said it, I was like, "Oh, that's more than I expected on that." Oh, run, Sakata! You see, it's baseball. <laughs> All right, here we go. It's the trailer. Voyage to Deep Space Nine, where Security Officer Odo must confront a notorious killer from his past. He went to prison for murder. I sent him there. Now, justice becomes an issue of life and death. You're not going to take the law into your own hands. Watch me. He was afraid that Odo would kill him. Who might want to frame you for murder? I am temporarily relieving you of duty. Next time on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. This seems like a real Lieutenant Tuvok episode. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get Tuvok on the case, everyone. I guess uh, him being a constable, they mu- you must have a lot of like oh, who did yes. it episodes. Oh, oh interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, it's yeah, man. This show gets so much better. It really uh, does. Buckle well, up, Andy. I'm excited. Uh, not to say that it's bad at the start. Only dull. That's it. Like honestly, it's, well, that was probably my not issue, bad. and many people's issue at the top. But I will say already, and I think it is because I've I've been. We've already talked about this, but just even just the the aspect of being of changing my expectations based on premium television since the early aughts. Yeah. Sort of like, oh, okay, I'll watch the characterizations and the interactions. It's already a little bit more of a pleasant experience, and also the world is built a little more for you now that you have TNG under your. A hundred percent. Uh, cool. Well, everybody, I apologize for my grumpiness. 
feel like you pulled out of it. Yeah, we got there eventually when we started talking about the episode and had some good laughs, you know. And I apologize for nothing. It's going to be even longer, Hales, next week. <laughs> the Hales are long. <laughs> Please cut them down. <laughs> I can't do that. I'm attached to every word. <laughs> we need a separate episode for them. You'll it takes too long <laughs> to do this show. Uh, we should just sing everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Goodbye, everyone. Ah, you must be the new transfers. Welcome to Deep Space Nine, gentlemen. I'm Lieutenant Uraki. I understand you've already been shown your quarters. Now we just need to get you guys your duty assignments and we'll put you to work. Let's see here. It says you've been assigned to... Huh. This... This... Huh. Excuse me a moment. Uraki to Lieutenant CL. CL here. CL, I've got these new transfers here, and I'm just looking over the work assignments you sent over. Are you sure these are accurate? Yeah. I just checked them this morning. Why? Well, it says that Lieutenant Myra and Lieutenant Secunda are assigned to... Podcast duties? Yes. Apparently, Starfleet wants a running record of what happens on the station, so they sent them over from the Enterprise. Wait, they want a record on top of our daily logs? We make them constantly! Hell, half the time we stop in the middle of what we're doing just to make a supplemental log about it! Look, Cam, I don't make the calls. I just handle the assignment orders when they come in, and then pass them on to the departments who tell the people what to do. All right, fine. I'll just look this over and get them where they've got to go. Rocky out. <sighs> Sorry about that. It's just a rather unusual assignment. Anyway, let's see where you're stationed. Oh, right across from my office, of course. Well, if you'll follow me, gentlemen. As you can see, we're located right next to the Admiral's Club and President's Circle, so please keep up appearances when you're on duty in this section. According to the station schematics, you'll be using what used to be a larger supply closet, but it's been modified for, uh, podcast use. Welcome to your new home, gentlemen. Oh, what the fuck? Rocky to Lieutenant CL. CL here. Kinda busy helping Chief O'Brien keep a plasma conduit from frying and taking the whole system offline right now, Lieutenant. Sorry, CL, but this is insane. I'm showing these transfers to their workspace and... Uh, I, I mean... Uh. <sighs> mm-hmm. Get to the point, Cam. Okay, look, I get why they have a replicator, but why? In the name of every god anyone in the Federation still believes in, is there a fucking working transporter in here? They had to have just installed it too! This was a closet until a few weeks ago! Damn it. Great. Now no one can take a crap on the station for the next two hours. Starfleet Regulation 1138. All podcasters must beam site to site directly after finishing their assigned duties. But that's insane! It's a massive drain of the station's power supply! They have a doorway! I'm standing in it right now! Cam, I don't know what to tell you. CL out. Fine. 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 It's fine. Whatever. 
Welcome to the station, gentlemen. I'm gonna go get drunk off my ass at Quarks and decide whether or not to shoot myself out in airlock. Good luck.